Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the One's Ready podcast. <laughs> I did it again. And, the ambush uh, intro is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk is. about failure today. Hell um, yeah. We had, we had a, a guest that hadn't shown up. So, hey, right on. Hopefully, we'll get them on later on. So, he's a but failure. We figured that... <laughs> Speaking of failure, Jesus um, Christ, you are a no go at this station. You were a yeah, you're a no go at this station. Get your stuff. Mm. Go to station one. Yeah. Report to the instructor. All right, quitters and cones. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I love so, it. So um, yeah, I think failure is a good good topic. Just because, man. Um, I mean, we so full disclosure for everybody. We were just talking about. I was just talking about how I have failed my daughter um, because. Apparently, Nevada requires 30 hours of academics on driving, and she kept telling me that, and I kept kind of not dismissing her like, you know, a bad father, but just a, uh, although I'm probably a bad father, um, but I kept saying, you know, because I, I got my driver's license in a different state, so I kept saying, well, that's just, you only need that to get money off of your insurance. Like, you don't have to have that to go get the driver's license. And, to and let, fair, me set, let me set the stage, too. This was a, this was a PowerPoint. <laughs> This was a presentation that she was going to take on. So Peaches has at this point 24 years of history of dumb PowerPoints that he does not pay attention to. Everybody knows how you take CBTs in the military. Click, 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 and you get done. And like half the time I'm asking the people, they're like, hey, you got to take this PowerPoint. I'm like, does it have a certificate? And they're like, yes, it does. I'm like, is it a PDF certificate? If they say yes, it's a PDF certificate. I don't even bother. I just get the certificate, download, edit PDF, and then I send it back. You know how this, for legal reasons, that's a joke. Trent, quit it. Look at your little face. I don't so, know what a PDF is. I don't know. what. A, how do I edit a PDF? Easy, boomer. So to, to give Jared a little bit, just a, you know, just a little bit of leeway on this one. He just saw don't that give me too much online. You were just going to click through it. They probably mm -hmm. just wanted it. Well, Jared, continue with your story of woe. So yesterday we found out <laughs> um, after her final lesson of driving that uh, it is in fact a Nevada requirement and that I need to show up with their certificate. So after, and that's when I found out it was in the afternoon. So after frantically calling around to every single driving school, um, there was only one that provides it online and you can knock it out online, but it's 30 hours. And each of the blocks of instruction have time associated with it. So if you cruise gonna, through it, I'm going to interrupt you here. This has okay. been the worst invention that has ever happened. The first, I believe it was on AKO. It was a pre-deployment PowerPoint that I needed to take through AKO. So it was like through arm. It was some, we were going to a place. I think it was like for a range. It was something really stupid that the army had this requirement. Like you had to have this piece of paper in order to work on their range, whatever. Fine. Mm -hmm. The very first time that I went to click a slide and it wouldn't let me go because I hadn't spent enough time on the slide, I was furious. I was absolutely furious. And the fact that you could click through an entire slide presentation and it, then they would do this thing where you got to the end and they were like, this is supposed to take you 47 minutes. You did it in <laughs> a minute and 48 seconds. You have to start over and you're like, you sons of bitches. How about let me just take a challenge quiz or a test at the end to preach and then, which a lot to, to, I don't know, JKO or whoever's credit. Some of them are built like that where you can yeah. just do yeah. the challenge course. Boom. All right. You're good. You got the knowledge. You can proceed on, but there are definitely ones like this. So bottom line, long story short, 
my daughter is not going to get her driver's license. They are not even going to be able to attempt to get it because I have failed her as a father. So failure. Mm. Well, were women allowed to drive when you first started driving, Jared? Is that (laughs) they didn't make cars small enough? They didn't have smart cars. (laughs) He was doing the thing where he had like he had to tie the shoe boxes to the bottoms of his feet, and then like he could steer, but he was sitting on like phone books and stuff. But I think the moral of that. (laughs) Well, well, real quick, so let's talk about that. My son actually came up to be a day. It was like, oh no, it started. He goes, why? (laughs) He goes, why are you so short? It's like. Well, I, I will say oh my daughter. So uh, my daughter is actually very tall, very tall for a female. She is super tall. Like she's almost as tall as me. And there was a while there where she was growing. And like every couple of months, she'd be like, I don't know. I think I'm going to be taller than you. And I was like, I don't know. I think I could still beat you to death. But hey, don't tell anybody about this outside the house. <laughs> and now it's on the Internet. Yeah, yep. it's OK. Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> so failure um, like that was failures failure due to assumptions like and we know what assuming does and makes an ass out of you and me but what are some other things that candidates are probably assuming that is going to set them up for failure and i I toss that over to to either one of you guys because i'm sure there are thousands of things so many i mean just as like the number one thing that they're going to do is assuming that you're going to be better than you are with no effort put towards that thing. And we all do it. Like we're all narcissists, right? We all just assume like, Oh yeah, of course I would, I would never get to a point where I I think I'm going to quit. And then you don't really dig into those dark parts of your mind. You don't really work on all of those things. Oh yeah. I'm just, I'm yeah, I'm going to be totally fine in this scenario. And then therefore I'm not going to work at it. Yeah. I've always been a good adult learner. Yeah, of course I'll, I'll be good to be able to pick up this information. Yeah, it's okay. You always give yourself more credit than it's due. You always end up assuming that you're just going to be fine. I had a great mentor that used to say, you never rise to the occasion. You sink to the level of your training. And I have lived by that. And any time that I look at it and go, wait a second. Oh, I, I assume, no, I'd be, I'd be fine doing you know, situation X. Be like, wait a second. When was the last time you actually did it? How did you actually do in that situation? How did you do the next time? Did you have improvements? Did you not improve? If you're not putting yourself in those situations, you're going to lead yourself down this road where you're like, oh, I'm totally fine. This is totally great. No big deal. I'm going to be fine in this scenario. And then when that scenario presents yourself and you fail, it's like it's twice, right? Like denial kills you twice. It kills you once in the failure and it kills you second time with that shot to your ego of you going, oh, wait a second. Where are the other holes in my game that I haven't explored? Am I really as strong of a candidate as I thought myself to be? That can be debilitating. And I've watched, I don't know how many students and I don't know how many friends go down that road. They have one little failure and it's something that kind of shakes them to their core. It's something that the instructor says and they go, oh no, maybe <laughs> I am not the best candidate. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not as good as I thought to be, but it starts with that assumption. It starts with that little bit of hubris, that little bit of narcissism to go, no, I, I'll, I should be fine here. Why, why wouldn't I be? I don't even know if it's hubris, right? It's, it's like, like a lack of experience you know, and, and ignorance on their part. Maybe they've never had someone come at them in like a personal way and tell them they're a piece of shit. Yeah. You know, like that's a, that's a real thing that I don't think a lot of youngsters are getting exposed to these days, uh, the way that it it used to be. So I will tell um, you a quote from Nate Cox, Nate Cox. I I always attribute this quote to him, but he said, ignorance breeds arrogance. If you don't know what you don't know, you think you know everything. If you're just completely oblivious to a whole group of things, call it a blind spot, call it a, an unconscious bias, call it whatever it is that you want to call it. If you don't know those things, you think you're fine. 
Yep. And you're not. That ignorance breeds arrogance. And all of a sudden, you have this inflated sense of self-worth or in inflated sense of value or, or inflated sense of ability. And when that comes crashing down, that can be debilitating. I mean, it can be downright devastating to some folks. Yeah. Well, the, and they just have a lack of experience in so many things now too, like a conflict resolution is what I always used to say was what's, what's missing from a lot of these students. And if you think that you know how to deal with conflict because someone said something mean to you on the internet one time and all of a sudden <laughs> you're surrounded by like a hundred people and it's chaos and you don't know how to like deal with people and for, from all over the country and beyond. And then also you have like these instructors screaming at you and saying whatever they want to say. And like, it's just a, it's a radically different experience. And so like, I think they have assumptions that things are going to be the way that they've always been in their lives, you know, to a certain extent. They're like, oh, it's going to be different. But like, you can't imagine how different it's going to be if you've never put yourself in some of these places, you know, if you've never done, uh, you know, I don't know, certain certain things to have experience and it's ignorance. And so if you don't come in with like some humility and, and flexibility, those assumptions, like you said, like when you get hit with that, the reality of the situation, you realize everything is built on a house of cards. It's yeah. going to be a rough day. Well, and it's a, it's almost a, like a, a very kind of sickening feeling. Like you, it's visceral. You feel oh, it. Oh yeah. Like, oh no. I, I messed up. Oh no. Really, yeah. really bad. I liken it to, yeah, I liken it to tactical momentum, right? Like you can't quantify momentum. You can't see it. You can't touch it, but you can sure as hell feel it. You can feel momentum slipping away, whether it's a sports game, whether it's on target, whether it's in events, whether it's during a conversation, everybody's had a conversation with their spouse. Where just for a second in their head, you're like, how did we get here? What are, we, what are we doing right now? And you have that sickening feeling of you're just like, wow. Now imagine putting yourself, and, and this is more, more of a look holistically, right? We've, we've completely changed the way that we communicate 90% of the time with people. We communicate on, on these phones and we communicate on the internet and we can, can uh, communicate through, you know, largely, uh, you know, anonymous means, right? You don't have to sit there and have conversations with people and work through that conflict resolution. So then we're going to put you in a scenario. We're going to take you from that and then no harm, no foul. It just is what it is, right? Like you've grown up for all of our candidates, grown up conversing and, and communicating with people like that. Then we're going to put you in a completely new environment where people communicate differently. Military communication and military problem solving is way different than civilian, right? Even the most regimented civilians out there do not speak in the same way. They don't communicate the same way. There's a different cadence. There's a different expectation. There's the overlaying, you know, layer of authority. You may have to bite your tongue because somebody outranks you or holds a position of authority. That's totally a thing. Where in the civilian world, you could just dunk on them on the internet and then you get four likes and everybody claps and you get to shut your computer and go to bed. That ain't the way it is, homie. You're going to have to be in that uncomfortable space and you can no kid, you can be right. You can be righteous and you can still be incorrect all at the same time in a conversation trying to fix it. You could, you could be completely and totally right, meaning the, the morals and ethics and guidelines are on your side. You could be correct. You could be 100%. You could have all the facts in line, right? So you could have those two things, righteous, right, correct, and you could still be found wrong. You could still be in trouble for what you did because of how you did it. And the first time that you sort of you know, have to navigate those waters, you could be like, oh, no, I am not prepared for this at all. And it, it, it's a it's a crazy thing. And, and you get better at it as you go through, like you figure out, you know, exactly where that line is and exactly what you can say, and where you can push. And then obviously, as you get older in rank or, you know, and this applies to the pipeline as well. Like as, as you get a little bit further in the pipeline, you get a couple of schools under your belt, you get a little bit more leeway. You can speak in plain language with your superiors a little bit more. But when you start out, 
you can't even talk to an adult without a reporting statement. You can't even talk to a grown up that you might be older than for some of our older folks. If you get in at 35, you're going to be looking at a 25 year old staff sergeant, you know, BMT instructor that's going to make you say magic words before you're allowed to talk. Can, can you explain the reporting statement? <laughs> I don't even. Uh, so for a reporting statement back in our day, because I don't know, I believe it's still true to this point today. Yeah. But in order to address someone of higher rank, typically somebody in authority, you have to say, sir or ma'am, your rank, your name. So I think it's like trainee love reports as ordered. And you think that this is going to be easy, right? It's not. <laughs> You're going to say, you know, Mr. Love reporting is order. And they're going to be like reporting, reporting on do what the weather do it again, do it again. And you're going to like literally in your head, you have to say magic words for this person to talk to you. Now it's, 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 it's for a reason. Okay. It feels like hazing. And from the outside <laughs> in, like when these aliens, when these aliens that Trent and I are like observing these things, when we go left seat, right seat with the aliens that are coming to take over the world, yeah. when they look at this, they're going to go, wait a second you taught these people a phrase and they have to say it before you'll respect them or even hear what they want. They're asking you to go to the bathroom and they have to say trainee love reports is ordered, sir or ma'am. May I go to the bathroom? And and we're, we're going to be like, Oh yeah, totally. This is what war fighting is. Yep. The best part about it is when they do mess it up and there is somebody who's, who's knife handing, oh, it's man. like blood in the water and the others. Are you just, hear other ones just mm-hmm. gravity. It's that gravity. <laughs> it's that it's that it's gravity. It's like, That's I, like, I you love angry, that? angry cops talking about it. He's just like <laughs> <laughs> double knife hands. We call those katana arms because they extend all the way to the elbow, baby. But yeah, so, you know, some of those, some of those things, and, you know, we're, we're talking about how ignorance breeds arrogance and, and how your assumptions can really lead to failure here. The only positive assumption that you have is that you don't know anything. You can only assume that there's going to have to be things that you're going to fail at. And there's going to have to be things that you're just like, I could not, I could not have foreseen that. I could not have foreseen getting so, and you can talk a big game all you want. You can say whatever it is that you want to say, Oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to come back with my shield or on it, brother. I'm a sheepdog. I'm a three percenter and I'm going to go to Valhalla. Who's going to carry the goats. You're, (laughs) you're still going to get worked up at basic. You're still going to have some 27 year old, you know, BMT instructor absolutely debase you in front of people. It's going to happen. You're going to get made fun of. You're going to drop a glass. You're going to walk the wrong way. You're going to go to chow too slow. Something's going to happen during your pipeline and you are going to be embarrassed. There is always that one instructor that is, that is just right there when you failed. Mine was Aaron Butler. Aaron Butler is now, I believe, a doctor or a PA. Very accomplished, very accomplished dude. Very smart guy. Literally every single time that I ever screwed up at Indoc, I turned around and there was Aaron Butler and he was just this quiet guy. And he was just like, you're like, Oh no. And I was just, just like, just go ahead and drop love. Yeah. Just I, I was just doing it to myself at the end. Like he would just show up to events and I just be like, Hey, I'm going to knock out 50 right now for you. And he's like, yeah, good start. You'll probably owe him. Like, Dude, yeah, that's, that's the best part is when you could like, they don't even need to say that's how conditioned you are. That, that's is, it. Is, is you've messed up. You've made a mistake you know that they saw you like they are just looking at you and just like, they don't even need to say it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, our, uh, our PJU team, I've told this a million times, but our PJU team really sucked. Our apprentice course team was awful and we would do stuff and the instructors would be quiet for a second and we would start dropping and they'd be like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, nah, we deserve that. And we would just <laughs> knock out a set real quick, get back to it. The instructors like, I've, I've never seen it. You guys actually auto smoke yourself. You guys are like, messing yes. with us, aren't you? All it's right. the only cool feature of our team. <laughs> the auto smoke function.
Um, yeah, no, I think that's valid. I think there's a lot of assumptions and the assumptions don't stop when, or or just with recruits. Like, you know, obviously I made a poor assumption, you know, for, for weeks now I've been making a poor assumption. Um, but there you make assumptions about what things are going to be like. You make assumptions about uh, what a certain unit like is like, what a certain team is like, you know, it's, it's weird because we're, we're on, um, like colored teams, you know, blue, red, gold, and all that kind of stuff. You know, there's that friendly rivalry and stuff like that. But then you kind of have an assumption of what their culture is like at a, not outside of a team, but I'm talking about like a, an assumed culture between the 23rd STS and the 22 STS. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the assumed culture overseas. Sure. And you realize that it's not, not actually that different. You're, you're making some poor assumptions, uh, and you can fall into a trap where you start making poor assumptions about people, about certain people based off of what you've heard. Oh yeah. Um, and then just lining yourself up for failure that way. Yeah. Cause that'll lead you into bad, you know, bad interactions. That'll lead you. You'll speak to somebody in such a way. Cause you feel like, you know, them again, because we're narcissistic people, you make these assumptions about somebody else. Well, then that becomes truth and fact inside of your head. And without outside input, like if you don't talk to that person a whole lot or you don't make it a point to actually get into conversations with them, you're just like, well, I made this assumption. Nothing's told me that it's wrong. I guess it's right. I guess it's going to be correct. You know, like I, I love seeing this. It's not even it's not even just like team to team or, you know, units unit. Every single deployment I've ever been on, because typically for the rescue teams, we work 12 on 12 off. It's not a 24 hour day with the whole team. It's there's two shifts because you, you work in 12 hour shifts every single time I've ever been deployed on a rescue deployment. A team hates B team because somebody doesn't fill the water up. Somebody doesn't put the water in the fridge correctly. Somebody doesn't clean the spaces. Some, one of the teams thinks the other team doesn't train enough. You know, one's team, one team has their rifle set up a certain way and the other ones doesn't. And all it takes, it's that you start seeing it. You're like, look at that locker. That locker's (laughs) garbage, dude. I wonder what those guys do all night. They probably don't do anything. They don't fill the water up. And then your friends, the people that you love with all your heart, that you share a team room with back home, all of a sudden it's like, I hate that guy. I can't believe <laughs> that he acts like that. And meanwhile, that guy's asleep. That guy's not even there. He's at home in his barracks. Not I'm even just, there to defend himself. Right? Yeah, you're just... Oh, God, look at Love's crap. Who wears a magazine like that? Where, what dumb show did he get that <laughs> off of? What an idiot. <laughs> well, and I think that those cultural differences, whether they're real or not, can be used for uh, positive things. Like if you have two different teams, like going through SWIC or ANS, right? You get that that friendly rivalry going, where like on your team, if it is like, hey, we're better than them, and we're going to be better than them, and all these other things, you create your own little cult that has this set of beliefs. Like that can be a lot of positive stuff, but you also see like cones that will talk themselves into quitting because they'll see what they think is a a, a quality candidate you know, that looks a certain way or came from a certain thing and talks a real big game and seems like they have all their stuff stuffed in one sock. And they're going to be like, well, like, obviously I'm not that guy, so I'm not going to make it. So mm-hmm. why even bother yeah. with, with, and then they'll, 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 they'll t- talk themselves right down the road, you know, out of the program and regret it for the rest of their lives. Probably uh, the old comparison problem. Yeah. Comparison is the thief of joy. Mm. I, I do love what you said there. Like, uh, you know, culture is important. Building a culture is, is really, really beneficial. It can be beneficial um, or it can be detrimental to what it is that you're doing. That's why the first four letters of culture are cult, uh, because you need almost an unrealistic belief in what it is that you're doing and applied well. 
I've seen cultures that are so strong and, you know, refuse to be second best and all that other stuff. And that's really, really good. And then we were kind of talking before we went on, I've also seen other cultures that are just the most toxic and terrible places to be. And you're just like, good people, right? Right. Good, good people. But a culture of maybe lack of accountability well, or, or I think it's a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not one thing. It's, it's a lack of accountability. It's a, it's a lack of recognizing that mm-hmm. it's bad, you know? Yeah. Um, I, man, well, sometimes, I you know, like it's like recording a commercial. Sometimes you start talking and you, you, you know, you're messing up and you just keep trying to save it and you just keep, <laughs> and you just keep throwing more and more words out there. It's just making it worse because you don't want to throw the whole thing away. <laughs> and so you just keep going until at the end of it, if you don't recognize that that whole thing just needs to be scrapped oh, and, and start over. I love you know, that this then is a real life example that I was go. there for. I watched yeah. this happen in real time. It was like watching a slow motion car wreck and nothing has made me happier than my, in my entire life. The people in that culture, like, like I recognized it. I recognized what three seconds in oh, so my middle, little monologue that like, this is awful. And I tried to save that thing for like four minutes and it just got worse. So like sometimes you just gotta. This? I must. I is must it Everly Sock? Oh, oh my gosh! It was. It was the. the it was like the end of the day. Yeah, and I was trying to be funny, and it just it was awful. <laughs> well, so here's the question too, Trent. And this one, you know, I don't want to bring up too many too many rough things at once, but you've uh, you also experienced a, a very recent failure uh, that you. we talked about. And since we're talking about failure, let's talk about how it is we actually move on from that fail. We talk about it all the time, right? One of the things we say here is fail fast, fail get your lesson from it and move on. But sometimes it's not that easy. I don't know how many times I've laid awake at night and just cringed at the terrible things that I've done, you know, over and over and over again. What are some tools that you've developed that you can get to that failure, fail as fast as possible, and then just move on? All right. Well, kids, listen up. So I I jacked something (laughs) up not that long ago. Bring it up. Bring it up. School circle on me. So younger me would have spent way more time avoiding my failure. Right. Like one of the first things I did though, like I, I I checked it all to make sure that what I had messed up really, really badly. Do you want to tell the story? Was, I think the story, no, I think the story, I do you want me to tell the story? We haven't told the people up? yet. So oh. I, I, well, they're going to be really disappointed. Some stuff. It doesn't matter. I thought I'd recorded stuff. The mics that we were using were all muted the whole time. And there's, I'm going to take all the responsibility because I should have checked it, even though whatever. Um, <laughs> even though one, there was a blue Falcon award, at least an assistant blue Falcon award that should go out. For I might've had a good assistant. So, <laughs> so like I get back He's to my hotel room hero. to check on this stuff because I got really good content. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I can't wait to show these guys. They're probably going to pull it up and, and see like all this good stuff I did. So I'm like up here, I pull it all up and I, I, I run through all the equipment again. And it's the first time I'd use these little mics and I realize we have no audio and I check it like six times. And I'm like, it's gone. Like, this is all worthless. Like I, a couple hours, maybe not, maybe an hour's worth of like worthless content. Right. And, uh, as soon as I found out, like, instead of avoiding it, I just, I started texting you guys. Like I screamed, you know, at my wall for a little bit. <laughs> in you, and, in then, your pillow. and then I screamed <laughs> into my phone via text. I think, you know, said some, <laughs> some words. And, uh, but, but I think that's, that's what you learn over time. It's like, it's not going to get better not telling anybody you're right like is it is it gonna feel better if i just don't sleep that night and then the next morning one of you hits me up it's like hey man uh where's the uh where's all How the audio for go? these videos right. like yeah. I, I looked at it 
are you going to download that like tomorrow? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll get it to it. I'm just going to avoid this for a while. It doesn't bad, do anybody any yeah. good. Bad news bad, doesn't get better with time. Exactly. Bad news has an expiration date. And that expiration date is right away. Like I, I like to call this one the... Uh, the awkward conversation rule, it sort of applies to, to awkward, obviously to awkward conversations. That's why I named it that. But the more awkward a conversation is, the less time I spend before I have that conversation. If there is something that is just going to hurt and it's going to suck, listen, it ain't going to get better. It's not going to get better thinking about it. You're not going to learn any more facts. The second that you learn, okay, I failed or this is awkward or this is something that I need to address. The only thing that you're doing by waiting is making it worse. You're giving yourself more stress. Well, and I think I've learned over time too. There's a, there's a goodness that comes out of this, right? Like, cause we've talked about this before, like remembering everything that you've ever jacked up in your career. Do you make those mistakes anymore? Oh, I do, but I'm an idiot. Well, you know, like, like some things you, oh, okay, some it, of those yeah. things you have learned from like, sure. like maybe some technical things and all that other stuff, like not, not interpersonal skills, Aaron. Um, <laughs> hurtful, <laughs> but true. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like, the, but like you, you do know, like with certain technical things, like, oh, I jacked this up really bad. I know that that's going to be like, there's a, a bookmark in my brain. So next time I go to do something with those stupid little mics that I still, like, it still hurts. Like I'm still upset about it, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to make that mistake again. No, that's, and that's why, like we've talked about it before, you prepare the child for the road, not the road for the child, because these failures that either as children or as adults, these failures help, help, um, you know, craft you into what you are and who you are. And those, those things will stick with you. Like that will stick with you forever. There will never, ever, unless it's like something's broken, you will never have an audio issue again, ever. Well, and I, right? I know every time I go to record something with those mics, I'm going to hear about it from you guys before before I even get started. <laughs> I mean, probably. But, that's, I mean, that's just how they establish a culture. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's a culture teammates. of accountability. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, um, that's why you can't, like, you really do have to be uh, allowed. And I know that we've, you have to allow kids to fail, right? Because that, I mean, dude, the three of us, Doing this, we have failed. Um, we are, we are also from kind of a generation that, you know, we were outside all the time, right? I, I mean, I dude, I would leave the house in the morning. I don't. Sometimes I don't even think I would come back for lunch. It was just, you know, I'm over at somebody else's house, or, or yeah. we happen to be over by, you know, so and so's house, so we just swing there in there, get a grilled cheese sandwich, and freaking call it good, you know, and and then continue going out and riding bikes, basketball, whatever it was that is less common now mm-hmm. and almost you have to encourage folks to go outside and and not folks but kids to go outside and go get after it and go go get in some trouble yeah get in that good healthy trouble like if you if there you is, don't fit, if you didn't ever hurt your foot by jumping off an 8 foot wall before you know you're not going to be able to figure out that you're going to be just fine by the way remember jumping off like an 8 foot wall when you were a kid that put me down, that'll put me down for a week and a half now <laughs> Eight foot, like eight foot wall for a kid. You'd be like, oh, my heel kind of hurts. And you'd go to sleep and magically you'd be better the next day. I sneezed yesterday and I have a little like hitch this morning when I woke up, like in my ribs, like how soft am I? Very. That's the answer there. Very soft. I was just thinking about stepping off of a 60 on, onto the edge of a oh. cliff. I, I remember one time I did that and uh, because they couldn't land. So they just kind of hovered and it was, it was a definitely a larger or a higher drop than uh 
than I expected. I've stepped off a of Huey as it was actually coming back up. They didn't actually set all the way down. Uh, so like no. last second, they start coming back up. And so you go to take that step and it's like, nope. <laughs> you just step into the void. It's like, it's like stepping off on that stair that isn't there at night. And you're just, you're just like, oh, no, well, this is it. I'm dead. I fell into a black hole. And now I just fall for the rest of my here life. Here we go. And here a, we go. There was a PJ. He's, I, I won't say his name because he's still active duty right now. That we were flying on 53s. And the fi- for all those folks that are out there, 53s have the ramp in the back. Right. So, and they never, they rarely closed them. So this is Afghanistan and we had just landed after a long night of flying and, and, uh, it, it was kind of rolling out taxiing on the, on the airfield. And, um, he kind of woke up and he thought that we were parked cause it's pitch black at night oh. and he didn't have his MVGs on and he was freaking detached and just went and walked straight off the thing. Cause he didn't realize we were moving and it just disappeared. Onto, oh, and you could see him tumbling on the, on the <laughs> Oh, the worst. The, yeah. And the sheer feeling of like when you step there, there's a moment there where you realize you've screwed up, right? Yep. Like that, that last moment before you real like impacts coming and you're just like, oh no, I am dead. This is perfect. Anyway, see you later world. Well, well let me, Jared, Jared, you got me thinking or, or Aaron about kids that aren't playing outside. And I, I started thinking about, um, is that the kid's fault or is it the parent's fault? No, it's the parent's fault. Yeah. Right. It's hundred like, percent the parent's fault. Yeah. I don't, I, in, in my experience, and I just have my kids, right? Most of the time, we're telling them when to come inside. Like, if we just let them go outside and play. Like, it's not all the times, but, like, you know what I mean? Um, so, like, when you are an instructor or uh, a, a supervisor in the military and you, you come across these these people and they and then they do fail, like, how are we supposed to deal with it? What's the best way to deal with someone that you're over failing and, and to get them to the, the right place? Okay. As in, as in, like, as a supervisor and instructor, I'm tired or of them failing, or, or you know, like, yeah, like a, <laughs> he a meant student comes in, he meant you're over, as in their superior, not over, like oh, I'm okay. over them. Yeah, like I'm, I'm over <laughs> no, your const- I'm constant over failing. Your, I'm over your failures. Yeah, yes. yeah. No. Sorry, like in the chain of command, you are over them. Okay, good. Well, okay, so, well, one is you have to be a. a you have to move past the one strike. I'll just say it's a, a one strike air force. Cause I don't believe it is a one strike air force. However, I am not every single person in the air force, right? There are a lot of people in the air force that are a one strike air force, meaning you mess up once and, and that's it. You're ri- and, and yeah. that's it. You're written off. You're not going to get promoted. You're not going to get, um, you know, put on this deployment. Now, obviously there are varying degrees of failure. You know, if I, you know, if I mess up on a training event, like, okay, you know, um, if I do something to where I hurt somebody else or I kill somebody else, like that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know what I mean? There, so there are certain red lines, like yeah. it is, you deserve a, it's a rule. It's a one strike crimes against yeah. women, crimes against kids, violent crimes against people, crimes yeah. that seriously bring your integrity into question. Like there's always something that we can find that, that hit this line for it. Right. Like that's not what we're talking yeah. about. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, you have to be okay with going like, all right, cool. Let's debrief it. Here, where, here's where we messed up. Here's where we can mitigate it for next time. And let's, let's move on. Hey dude, don't dwell on it. Like we, like I made the same mistake when I was a senior airman, you know, had just gotten on the team. Like it's, it's having that humility and that vulnerability to say, yeah, I, I messed up the same exact thing. Like it's okay. Move, move on. 
um, and just learning from it. And and most of the time, most of us, I, I think between the three of us for sure, and I know guys on team, most of us are are harder on ourselves than than anybody else will ever be. Oh yeah. I mean, I, dude, my inner, anyway, I was to say my inner monologue, but <laughs> <laughs> my my, inner mo- well, yeah, that's why I, I was joking, but I did, I specifically did not make fun of, you know, T and I were laughing cause, cause she was like, are you going to make fun of Trent on the group chat? And I was like, I'm going to give him 24 hours. He's already so mad at himself over the whole recording. <laughs> I don't thing. need to, I, so I don't mad. need to, you know, you don't even need to right? like that. That's already there. I already, I already know how it is. And you're totally right. We're way harder on ourselves. And that can be a detriment too. you know, I, uh, a great mentor of mine, like I screwed up like every young PJ does. And, you know, he just kind of looked at me and he's like, I assume you learned your lesson on this one. And that was it. I thought it was going to be this huge dressing down. He's like, I assume you learned your lesson on this one. And I was like, <laughs> uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I did. And he was like, okay. And he's like, there we go. Then and he was like, then, you know, uh, just imagine what I would say. And I was like, Fair enough. I don't want to. Yeah. Wanna... <laughs> Believe me, I've been thinking about it for a long time, Big Sarge. Well, we we also have this thing that always helped me out, which was the the case of beer, right? Yep. Like you jack something up and someone will be like, okay, you owe a case of beer. And that was like closing the door on that incident. I don't know what it was about it, but you bring in a case of beer to like your instructor. Never, never mind. I never gave beer to my instructors. Um, <laughs> and uh, Instructors on team because on team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On team sure. instructors. Yeah, no on one, team instructors. No one else right. ever asked for no anything. One, yeah, no. Yeah. But like it, it was just a nice way to like you bring it in and then like you close the door on that that incident, right? Like it, it was yeah. just it was a, a physical thing that you had to do. You went on your way on your way to work or whatever and just something like that really helped at least me out like you but, felt yeah. like you paid something back for the team and then you're good to go and everybody's happy about it you know yeah you took ownership of it yeah you paid your that, penance, uh, moved and on. that's and that's really the biggest thing is is i think that kind of it's acknowledging that you messed up but it's also taking the ownership and going yeah i messed up here's where i screwed up because it's it's there's a difference between saying yeah i screwed up and not knowing how and why you screwed up yeah. you've got to go you've got to walk through all of that like if I just tell you, Trent, like you jacked up, you messed up and you're still like, well, I, I, I don't understand where I messed up. Like, I'm not talking, you know, not reference. I'm like, agree audio. to disagree. Nah. <laughs> right. Agree to disagree. Nice. Nah. <laughs> there still has to be a, a explanation and an ownership to fully understand where the failure happened. And that's where, where the debrief comes in, you know? Yeah. From the other side of it too. And we started off kind of like talking about kids, but more for the, more for the folks that you're going to be in a leadership position one time or another, your job as a parent, like kids are not good. Kids are innocent. They're not good. They are little murder machines. Imagine (laughs) if you would, the human children grew as fast as like animal children. And in a scale, like in a year, you'd have a toddler that was as big as an eighth grader. That thing would be a terror. You would not be, first of all, you would not be able to deal with that thing. Imagine having a 30-year-old body with a five-year-old's mentality or a four-year-old's mentality. The murder rates would be through the roof. There'd be no such thing as play places. Like Those things would just be fighting each other, and then who's going to break it up? Anyway... The point is, is like it a your- Chaz zone in every city? Oh my you God. Just it was- send the, the toddlers. Well, no, because those people at least have a base level of intellect as opposed to the people that in, like inhabited the Chaz. But the point is, is that it's your job as a leader to 
to make those people good. It's your job as a leader, just like we've shared stories of, you know, my mentor, you know, not jumping in to my ass about stuff, not getting super amped up about stuff. It's your job to show them the right way how to do it. So many times you see leaders, they think it's their job to like hyper focus on the failure. You know, that's not failing fast from a leadership perspective. You have to let your folks fail fast. Of course, you're going to have red lines and you're going to have, you know, standards and expectations that like, hey, you can't go left or right of this. I'm telling you right now, this is where this is the lane you got to stay in. These are my expectations for you. But inside of there, you'll probably win more hearts and minds amongst your team and amongst the people that you supervise if you actually let them fail and then let them move on. There's nothing worse than, you know, watching a leader bring things up months or years out. I've, I've seen a leader to, to my face. I talked to him about it. He brought up a failure that one of my guys had eight months beforehand, and he used it as a justification to not send him to a school. He said, well, he did this, you know, eight months ago. And I was like, whoa, whoa. eight months ago, we had Jeez. that talk. I, I believe that we, we worked through that issue. And I believe that he's, he's ready. To, I'm telling you as his team sergeant, he's, he's ready to go to the school. It's like, well, you know, there's just not a lot of faith in the command with, you know, him because he's passing. And I was like, what are we doing here? Like, how does that support him? How, what kind of road is he supposed to take to get back to right? Like, that's what failure is. Failure is a chance for you to make yourself better and then not do that again and become a better version of yourself in the future. Not to have it constantly lorded over your head. Like, that's not, that's not supposed to be a thing. And it's a, a big failure in leadership. Yeah. Well, yeah, I like what you said. That at the really beginning. is. <laughs> yeah. But like, see where it goes. I, I don't, on the like instructor side of the house, I've been with like guys that are new instructors and just like being a parent, as soon as you see the team start to deviate from where, you know, they should be going, uh, it, it's your, your inclination is going to be to step in, right. And be like, no, 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 no. You jacked this up. But sometimes like I, I'd hold a guy back and be like, no, no, no. Like, let's see where this goes. And I know we're extending our work days by letting the, the students, you know, fumble their way through this, but like, see if they figure it out. So like they might learn four additional lessons without your intervention on their way through this, this little, you know, journey that they're going on where they're all, you know, crazy and going the wrong direction and missing half their gear. So, uh, you, you want to step not in marking and just things jack correctly. them up. Yeah. The, those water bottles, <laughs> man, the water bottle comes up. Thank goodness. Um, I had a, a good instructor friend of mine. His name's Eric. I won't say whether he's enlisted or an officer. Eric and I used to go for whatever reason at the apprentice course, there was this one mission and it usually was supposed to get done by about one o'clock. And I had like this 1am drop dead time. And we had an awesome uh, support guy with us and he would cook it. Like he'd have bratwurst for you. Like you'd go back to camp and it, you know, bratwurst and you know, cold soda pops like the boys like by a fire. Mm -hmm. And it was like the last mission of the night. So the mission name was goblin North to South. Um, so it was just a random mission name, right? The problem with this is that right at the end, right? So there was like a whole bunch of stuff that happened at the beginning, but then essentially it was an evasion scenario to get to this area to leave. That was the, the, the point of the mission, but it was in Magdalena is in, you know, Southeastern New Mexico or Southern New Mexico, whatever. And there were these four fingers, right? And if you did it right, you surpassed all this on the low ground and you hit this last finger and ran a ridgeline all the way up. Well, teams would do bad jobs of planning. And that perfect example, Trent, of what you just said is you would see teams and they'd be setting up. They'd be like, no, we can just go just like this and we can go oh. right up over there. That was heinous because each one of those little fingers was like a thousand to fifteen hundred elevation just back down into like treacherous cavern, cavern like uh, canyons and scree fields and, and defilades and stuff. It was just so much. It took you a little bit more time. But if you just walk that flat lane, 
and walk right up the last finger. It would put you right to the LZ and the instructors knew the perfect way to walk. Eric and I walked to this thing. Like we did four classes a year at the time that I was there. I guarantee three out of four classes every single year that I was there, I walked that mission. And every single year when you saw the students just like, oh, we're just going to walk right over this terrain. We'll just rock straight, straight line to it. You'd be sitting in the back. You'd just be like, Oh my God. Okay. God. Oh, they're going to try to, Oh, they're going to uh, try me, to walk Let me start through. hydrating now. Oh, IV gonna... Real quick. Yeah. And, and there was like, and the, it was usually in this field, we called it the baby head field because there were these rocks and they were all about the size of like a baby oh, doll head. No. And it was impossible to walk over. You had a casualty and you were trying to walk and there was, there was a timeline. So then people started like trying to walk faster. It was awful. But every single time he would just look at me, he'd be like, why do we do this together? Why do we do, why do we insist on doing this together? Why are they going to do that? Are we going to go tell them? I was like, you got to let them learn, buddy. Well, and and not just that is actually one of those lessons that you learn and then you remember it for a little while and then something else comes up, like another kind of land nav situation like that comes up and you're going like, eh, doesn't look too bad. <laughs> and then you're like, wait that, a those second. Those contour lines. <laughs> that, no, that's good. And then you do it again and you're like, yep. Or or like not even the contour lines, the um, like the swamps. In Florida, uh, or you know, where you're this like, look too bad. Let me see. I've got to do a dog leg, and that's you know, a click that way, a click that way, and a click that way. Like, I, I don't have time for this. It's not going to be that bad. We'll just go right through it, <laughs> and then you get all those wait a minute vines, and then you're, if you did decide to land your things too, which I don't know why you would, but of you're course, just caught up, and it's just, dude. We were yeah. in uh, we were in Norway at the Allied Officers Course, and the instructor there let us no kid. And this is probably one of the more dangerous things I've done. So we they were like no kidding. We got to go over here. It was part of the ski. One of the you know we come up with this plan and whatever. I would like to say for one of the few times in my life I was not actually involved in this complete failure. I was just a nug on the team. I was not getting evaluated. Um, so we go and we end up like talking about breaking for camp because weather starts rolling in and we look at the instructor and we're like, Hey, we think uh, we should set up camp here. And she looks at us and she goes, no, because you did not follow my instructions. We are in the middle of a huge frozen lake. You decided to ignore the dog leg that I wanted you to do. And now we cannot put up camp because if we dig here, the lake may break and we may all fall in. Okay. And we were, we were like, uh, I'm sorry, what? And she was like, yeah, the only thing that we cannot do, we cannot go that way because I can tell you, you will fall in over there. We have to go this way now. And everybody was just like, how long have we been on this lake? Yeah. It, was, it was like a thousand meters. So she was just like, yeah, it's a dead of winter, you know, minus 40. And she was just like, yeah, hopefully it is solid, but no, we cannot camp here. We have to go to this other thing. That was a tough lesson to learn. That that was not cool. Yep. But that's how learning happens. A lot of pain. That is. And then you hopefully learn from that failure and then you don't fail again. No more frozen lakes for me, baby. No yeah. more baby head, four finger, you know, stupid terrain mapping for me, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and just like being an instructor or supervisor, like there's a, there are times that you have to yell and fix things right away. And there are times where you can take your time and, and you're good supervisor, instructor, leader, whatever it is. They know those times, you know? So like, it, it's just like being the instructor that yells about everything or the supervisor that blows their top about every little thing. Like you got to, if, if you're going to be in one of those positions where you're in charge of people, you, you have to develop that, that understanding of what's really going on. What's the best way to fix this and how can I fix this once and not have to fix it again in the future? Cause if you're always just screaming. No one's going to listen to you. Yeah. Raise your voice, lose your power. You only have so much gas that you can apply to, to stuff. And when you're constantly giving it a hundred percent, like that's not going to, not going to do anything. So for everybody coming in, 
We've talked about failure this entire time. Trent, I'm going to start off with you for everybody coming in that's trying to figure this out. We know that they're going to fail. We know that they're trying to avoid failure at all costs, right? But we know that's probably not a probably not a, a re- realistic goal. Like you're going to have to fail. So we know that we're trying not to fail. We know that we're going to fail. What do you think the best way for the people to fail is? The best way to fail? Yep. Because it's going to happen. So if we're going to fail, we got to figure out what it's going to be. Well, you, you just, the, the fun thing about failure is it's always in the past, right? And so the, the, the way that you view any, any type of failure that, that you're going to go through is, is don't compound it by projecting your failure into the future, right? So obviously if you're coming to the pipeline, it, it's better to fail right, right up front and learn from it, right? Because like the once you start down that road and rolling, and then you start projecting your failure into the future, because that's it's become like almost a habit. Like, oh, I've been in SWIC four days, and I failed every single day without learning, because like I can't tape up my water bottle the right way. <laughs> it just becomes an almost insurmountable thing to to overcome, unless you realize uh, that a you need to learn from it and uh, uh, attack it head on, and b all failures in the past. There's no such thing as failure in the future, and so like. That that the only way to get over it is to to realize those two things is is to get over it as fast as you can and realize it's something that happened to you in the past and you don't have to project into the future. Nice. I think for me, because I want to give Peaches the last word on this one. I think for me, I would say that number one, I'd want to minimize that failure. I would want to f- figure out like, hey, what are the big things that I can fail at? Oh, okay, I can fit like moral, ethical questions, you know, disciplinary questions, integrity questions. I want to delete those completely. Right. Cause those are the things that could be the biggest failure for me. It's kind of like aim small, miss small. Right. I want to figure out what the biggest failures are that I could possibly do. And I want to avoid those at all costs for the people that are getting ready to get in. You can't fail an IFT. If you fail an IFT, you can't even get in. Right. If you have problems with your, your legal standing, if you have problems with your security standing, those are things that are going to keep you from getting in. So I, I would prioritize those failures and make sure that the big things that I can fail at are handled. Everything else, I'm going to try to make those failures as small as they possibly can be. If I fail an event, fine, but I don't fail the next event. That failure, Trent, great, great point. Failures in the past. One event does not lead to another event, a failure. Those things aren't connected in any way, shape, or form. So, hey, I failed from this one. I'm going to fail as fast as possible. I'm going to learn what I need to learn for the next one. But if the next event isn't the event I failed on, I'm not even thinking about that. Like I'm going to put that in a different box, and I'm going to go on to this other event. And if you can make each failure as small as possible, hey, I'm going to study for this test. Okay. I didn't do so well on the last test. I got a 70. All right. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get an 80 on this test. I'm going to, I'm going to minimize the amount. I'm just going to take one or two questions off. I'm going to study 10 or 15 minutes more and I'm going to fail smaller and smaller and smaller to where you have minor failures and minor setbacks. And then you're able to kind of go along. But if you think about where it is that you're most vulnerable and what can really screw you up, if you fail, I just like to minimize those failures and then just press, just go on from there. Well, that's, that's kind of equated to the whole 80% mental, 20% physical. And bear with me here as I, as I work that is, you know, the, if you cannot have to worry about the 20% of physical, that frees up your bandwidth to focus on other stuff. You don't have to worry about it. Right. Same kind of thing is if, if I know that any decision I make, um, is, it will always be rooted in, uh, morality ethical and focused on doing the right thing versus other stuff or, or even, you know, the whole right versus correct, then that frees me up 
in so many different ways. It, it's kind of like um, uh, two rock, two Jocko references, but one where he talks about being disciplined. Discipline is freedom uh, in the way that I know that I will always make this kind of decision. I don't have to, I don't have to waver and believe it or not, people, people recognize that and people notice, notice that and expect that out of you. So when we start talking about how um, people in leadership positions should have an even keel um, and not fly off the handle or anything like that. It is, it is that kind of thing is like, all right, I know that whether I'm coming in with a good news or bad news that this person is going to react the exact same way, which is cool, calm, collected. And then we can go from there. Um, that way you're more approachable anyway. Yeah. Going to the other piece of Jocko that I'm going to harness is the, the whole ownership. This is how I think that you should as a best way to fail is that you've got to take ownership to a hundred percent. Even if you only owe own, like truly only own or or were responsible for 50% of it, you got to own it because if you knew that something was going wrong or the end result, it, it doesn't change the result, whether it's 50% you and 50% somebody else, or it's a hundred percent you or somebody or, and none or 0% for somebody else, like the result is still the same. So you just got to own it. You got to own it and you can't project it on others. You can't, you can't just because I'm pissed off at myself for, for messing this up or for failing at this doesn't mean I should take it out on somebody else. Um, I've got to compartmentalize that failure, be able to treat people the same or react the same to other people. And then if I need to revisit it, because I, I, for whatever reason, I can't fail fast on this. Um, now I can go back into my thoughts or, or fix the problem and own it. So I think it's ownership to a hundred percent. Yeah. Good Got talk. Solid it. all the way up. <laughs> Good job. Tripping over my words, the whole deal. It's great. <laughs> hey, that's, why, that's why Aaron has more, Aaron and Trent have more reels than, than I do. Because I just, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get past this failure. I think you're doing great. I think it's, yeah. I think it ties in really well to the entire thing is that yeah. even though you failed before, I think the bottom line from this episode, you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid to fail again. You should fail over and over and over again. And again, that failure peaches that, that little misstep that you took there. That's in the past, baby. That's we're right. already gone. I, I don't even need a rear view for this little car. My guy, I don't look behind me. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's, it's gotta a, be a, a little car, huh? It's a safety requirement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How would you park? I don't know. <laughs> cool. Well, you guys got anything else on failure? Okay. Oh, oh see, it. it's a joke uh, about the. It's a joke about I, the mute. It's a joke I about really the mute. He set that, that one up. He set that oh, up from man. a long way away. He started. So if you're not, if you're not watching the YouTube, it's a much funnier joke on YouTube. You can see Trent go <laughs> on mute, and then you can see him try to talk. <laughs> And poke fun at himself. I don't take yourself don't, too seriously. Do you know? Do you know you're on mute, Trent? <laughs> oh, boy! All right. <laughs> Please be true. Please be well, true. Um, speaking of failing, we, we have. Dude, fun I was. Here. I was just saying, like, we I have fun to end here. on a positive note. That's why I <laughs> muted myself because I knew that you were going to be like, you ever got anything else? And I was just like, I don't think I should say anything. Like, I don't want to drag <laughs> us down into negativity. <laughs> This has been the best. <laughs> God. So All here right, we are. Cool. 
Well, we won't go negative. Oh. <laughs> we won't go negative with it then. Um, so real quick though, uh, since we're talking about failure, this actually has nothing to do with failure. Go to onesready.com, check out eh, any kind of merch, of failure there. buy some merch. Yeah, it's totally failed. Like, <laughs> buy some, uh, support us by getting some merch. Um, and then if you do need some tackle stuff, you can get it straight from our website. The discount is already, um, built into it. Um, but if not, if you do want to go to attackalate.com, check them out, use a promo code ones ready, 10 ones ready one zero. And then, um, who else? Let's talk about hoist. I kind of love hoist Drinkhoist.com. code ones ready at checkout. Then partners, they're, they're a day one. The kids say day, day one, one, like these folks are a day one with us. We love not like everybody over there um, are just good people from the the Midwest. I think Kentucky is the Midwest. I think that counts, but um, you know, drink hoist is awesome. They're one of three approved DOD beverages for rehydration. They've got IV level hydration in the packs or the premix. You can be gang premix or be gang packs. I'm, I'm the packs again, because I just shove them in all of my bags and everything that I've got going everywhere. So I've, I've made the joke a couple of times, but anytime that I reach into a pack when I'm traveling, I can probably find a hoist packet out there. The uh, fruit punch is my favorite one can mix it in anything. It works really well in just some cold water and it's not too sugary. You feel great afterwards. And even if, even if you just imbibe a little bit too much the night before and you want to avoid a nasty headache in the morning, I slam one of them bad boys before I go to sleep right as rain in the morning or right when I wake up. That's usually part of my morning, uh, morning smoothie routine. So go over to drinkhoist.com, use code ones ready at checkout, get yourself an awesome discount. They're awesome folks. So go check out drinkhoist.com. Use our code ones ready at checkout. For sure. You do the best commercials. I know we're not supposed to do three, but also on the website, we do have f- uh, stuff from s- people that aren't really uh, sponsors of ours, but we, we're friends with them, Mission Mercantile folks. Uh, <sighs> we put a few other things on our site. It's all uh, leather and canvas goods. Uh, it's pretty nice stuff. So if, if you have a, you know somebody's birthday or an event coming up, like stuff to look at, or if you want to travel and not look like somebody with Molly all yeah. over their stuff, which I may or may not make fun of people like that in the airport. Every day. Every time I travel, I'm looking for the gray man and the gray man always has their patch and Molly and their multicam with the gray man patch. Jesus <laughs> is the worst. So I parents, this, man. this one's big for you. You want to get your, your, you know, shipper off to the right foot. You're looking for a graduation present. Check out mission mercantile, get them some fine leather goods. The messenger bag is fantastic for everything that they need. So if you want to get them actually doing things like they're supposed to, like not looking like they're in the military, this would be the one for you. And we got a lot of graduates out there. So five ships a year, there's two coming up. We do have a lot of graduates right now, don't we? Mm-hmm. Not us in particular, but high school. Mm-hmm. And yep. guess what? If you buy them those bags, you only have to buy it once. Once. One time. Yeah. For them, their kids, and probably their grandkids. Probably. Those things are awesome. Yeah. Shout out. Yeah. All right. Cool. And then uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us uh, leave us a review. Hit that notification bell. Can that reviews way you be know funny? When all drop. Yes. Yeah, reviews can be funny. Oh, I feel God, like last please. time Jared said that, I was like, we're judging everybody that just leaves like positive, like <laughs> heartfelt reviews. Like, oh, I love you guys. And Jared's like, dude, how well, are some jokes, huh? Honestly, Where's some people are Some make people are funny. funny, man. Yeah. Make me laugh, funny, man. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I'm a clown to you? All right. Yeah. All right, fellas. Thanks for listening, uh, everybody out there. And uh, I'll see you guys later.